Well, good morning again, church. It is time for a word from the Lord. If you're ready for a word from God to speak to your situation right where you are, why don't you type in the comments, it's time. Type it's time in the comments. Listen, I believe that there is something urgent and important on this series that we've been going through entitled, as you can see right behind me, Godspeed. Go ahead and type it in the comments, Godspeed, divine pace for divine purpose. And I truly believe that you are going to be transformed and changed at the end of this. You're going to be different. You're going to have a different view on the seasons of your life, on the reasons why you're in those seasons, on really where your position and where God desires to take you. And there was something that I received this week from one of the members of our church, one of the leaders in our church, and it blessed me so much. I had to share it with you. My wife, Mylena, Pastor Mylena and I were on the phone with Minister Yvonne Morris, and she blessed us because this is what she said. She was telling the testimony of something that she just navigated and worked her way through by the power of the Holy Spirit. And she said, she said, Pastor, I was thinking and, and praying to God, asking God, why do you have me in this situation? Why do you have me struggling? And she said, I got a revelation from God that I'm in it because the delivered have to now become deliverers. <laughs> the delivered have to become deliverers. And when I tell you that blessed me so, I wanted to shout and I ran around my house. I put it on mute. She didn't even know it, but I praise breaked in my kitchen because it's so powerful to think about the fact that the reason why we are going through is not just simply because it is a test or a trial, but because there is something in it that is going to empower us, the delivered, to become deliverers. Woo! If you if you believe that, why don't you do this? Type in the comments, say, I'm a deliverer. Type in the comments, say, I'm a deliverer. Type, I'm a deliverer. If you truly believe that God brought you out to help bring somebody else out, woo, that'll preach all by itself. I'm a deliverer. And church, I believe that that is why we are commissioned by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just simply to receive deliverance, but to be deliverers, hands and feet extended by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lift up your hands right now. I sense the anointing of God already. God in heaven, we thank you that you have called and empowered us to be deliverers. We cannot be deliverers by our own lest we forget, lest we misunderstand, lest we have a short-term memory or acute memory loss. God, may we not forget that the only way we can be deliverers is because you have delivered us. The great deliverer has moved by mighty power and the power of the blood of Jesus has transformed us and saved us and changed us. And now your spirit empowers us to go be change agents in our world, to go make our world better, to love those whom society would forget about, to do good to the least of these, to serve the marginalized, to love those who e whom even society would say are not worthy or deserving of love. God, I thank you that you have loved us like that. And God, now as we open up your word to talk about yet another opportunity where you have done that, I pray, God, that you would anoint me. Anoint me to speak your truth. There can't be a fire in anyone's place if there is an iceberg behind this pulpit. So God, light me on fire that I may burn for you, burn for your truth, your love, and your justice. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. I'm already fired up. I don't know about you. I'm hyped, okay? I hope you're ready for this. 
Luke chapter 13 is our text. Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 13. Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 13. And as I mentioned, we have been going through this series entitled God Speed, Divine Pace for Divine Purpose. And the overarching statement for this and what we have been saying is this, when we get there is not as important as how we get there. So many of us are on a rush to get to our God-ordained destination. But before we can do that, we must become transformed. We must become changed. And so when we get there is not as important as how we get there. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, what you are going to have to learn is you are going to have to learn how to change your pace. And that's why we've said we want to fall in line with where God has us, not simply where we believe we should be. Why? Because the scripture is clear. Ecclesiastes 3.11, God has made everything beautiful or appropriate in its time. I hope you're still believing this, church. I hope that you have still latched onto this word and you truly believe that God is leading you deliberately and intentionally. We talked in the first three weeks about divine acceleration. And last week we talked and started a series of messages within this series where we are talking about what it means to be stuck. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 13, and look at it on your screen as I read it. It says here, one Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double or bent over for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, dear woman, you are healed of your sickness, or as Bishop T.D. Jakes has made popular, woman, thou art loosed. <laughs> then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight. How she prayed. I love this translation, NLT. How she praised God. Let me do something before we get into our text, church. I want to make a clarifying statement and comment about last week. When I talked about what it means to be stuck, one of the first things that they tell you in public speaking is you have to know your audience. And I want to clarify my audience because I think some of us might forget and might downplay or underestimate what is being said when we say the word stuck. Matter of fact, type the word stuck in the comments. Type stuck in the comments. When I say stuck, I am not simply referring to people who have had a momentary pause who have had a momentary lapse, a momentary stoppage. While it is very important, and trust me, I sympathize and empathize with those of you who are saying, Pastor, I resonate with this idea of stuck because I've been stuck at one point or another in my life. I resonate with it. I understand it. I appreciate it. And I identify with it. It is for you as well, but it is primarily for those of you who are taking a step back and saying, I have not been simply stuck in a moment. I have been stuck in a cycle. That's different. Being stuck in a moment means I have had a momentary difficulty. But being stuck in a cycle is I have been stuck in the same place, season, or state for so long that I can't remember what it was like before I was stuck. Church, I'm turned up today. Okay. Are you going to be with me? Can you shout me down virtually? Okay. Cause I'm turned up today. What I'm talking about are those people. And I have been sent with a word from the Lord for you. Those people who have been stuck so long that they are looking around and asking God if they will ever become unstuck. I'm talking about those people who have been bound so long 
that they don't even remember what freedom was like, who are just simply trying to get back to a glimpse of what it meant to be free from the bondage or the infirmity or the iniquity that has kept them bound for so long. I'm talking about the people who have been praying for lost loved ones for over a decade. I'm talking about the people who have been praying for the reconciliation of relationships for as long as you can remember, and they don't seem to be changing. I'm talking about those people who have been stuck in a cycle where it doesn't seem like you can climb out of the amount of bills you have versus the funds coming in. I'm talking about those people who feel as though they're stuck in the same job and can't get out of the same place and can't get out of the same coworker cycle and vocational opportunity or lack thereof. And you're looking at God saying, can you hear me? Do you see me? Is there anything you're going to do about this stuck cycle that I'm in? <laughs> Somebody shout, I'm stuck. Just shout it. You ain't even got to type it in the comments. Just shout, I'm stuck. If that is you and you're not ashamed to admit it, type, I'm stuck. You have been in a season and a cycle for so long that you feel as though you will never be able to come out. Church, I'm talking to you. This is a word for you because so often what we do is we tone down and we underestimate and we underrate the challenges that we're facing. What some of us are facing is not just simply a momentary stuck place. It is being stuck in the same position. If I had to tag today's text, I would, I would tag it just like that. Stuck in the same position. This is what happened in Luke chapter 13. In Luke chapter 13, there was this woman who was stuck in the same position, the spirit says, or the word says, by the inspiration of the spirit for 18 years. And we have here a man named Luke who is writing and reciting and pinning this story. Luke is a physician, so you can tell he is probably obviously very interested in what it means for this woman to have this infirmity. And so he's describing this in unique terms, but it's very interesting because this woman had no reason to still be in the midst of the synagogue, no reason to still believe and hope that she was going to come out, no reason to believe that she would be anything other than doubled over or down double, as the scripture has said, for the rest of her life. But yet, Jesus saw her. I'm getting ahead of myself. Take a look at this. Take a look at the text again. Luke chapter 13, verse 10, it says, one Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. Stop, pause right there. Verse 11 says, this woman had been crippled by an evil spirit. Can I give you something just at the beginning, at the outset, for you to understand about sometimes what it means to have a cycle and a season of being stuck? Hear me, church, and write this down. What is preventing you in the cycle of stuck may be spiritual, not natural. What is preventing you may be spiritual, not natural. When we are in cycles of stuck, what tends to happen is we like to structure our lives in such a way where we can climb out or empower ourselves beyond what we are facing. We like to read a book or go to a conference pre-COVID or watch a conference online or receive a prophetic word or somehow in some way do something on our own to strive and stretch ourselves out of the situation that we're stuck in. But might I submit to you, church, that what you're navigating might be spiritual warfare, not simply a natural obstacle. 
It might not simply be that you're in the midst of something that you can navigate out of by your own power, but there might be a spiritual blockage or a spiritual obstruction that is beyond your natural ability. Now, I know that for most of us, we don't like to hear this because we have come out of this mentality that there is such a thing as spiritual warfare. I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but spiritual warfare is real. (laughs) Spiritual warfare is real. As a matter of fact, you might as well type that in the comments just so you remind yourself, spiritual warfare is real. If I had to define spiritual warfare, I would define it like this. Spiritual warfare is the reality that God's kingdom and God's people will always be opposed by an evil adversary. Spiritual warfare is the reality that God's kingdom and God's people will always be opposed by an evil adversary. Now, I know that for some of us, we have heard spooky or um, strange expressions of what it means to have spiritual warfare. But spiritual warfare is all around us. It simply means that if you're doing something good, if you are on the side of good, if you are trying to advance the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, you will be opposed. Everyone will not like that. And that there are actually beneath the surface, not people, but powers and principalities, which are simply designated authorities of our enemy and our adversary. Can I teach you that are designed to push you and discourage you and to obstruct what is happening around us? Now, here's what I'm not saying. I am not simply saying that everything that we go through can be blamed on the devil. How many know that's a pendulum swing we should not submit ourselves to? Just because something is going wrong doesn't mean the devil did it. Sometimes it's us. Okay, that's another sermon for another day. But sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes it is us. Sometimes it's not the devil. It's the relationships that we are in. Sometimes it's not the devil. It's the associations we have or the place where we are stationed or the place where we are living or just the people around us who are going through their own things or something we have done ourselves. But there are some times when there is opposition that we can't explain. I was having this conversation with OG Pastor Burns earlier this week, and he was reminding me of this passage in Daniel chapter 10. And I'm reminded of this passage because it shows us that sometimes the thing that we can be praying for and desiring might be opposed by something greater than ourselves. And so in Daniel chapter 10, I'll just read a couple of verses of this. It says, Daniel speaking, and the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Verse 12. Then he said, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So here's what's being said. What's being said is Daniel received a yes from God. And Daniel still continued to pray, even though from the first day he prayed, he had received a yes from God. I hope this encourages some of you because you've been praying for something so long that you might be asking the question, is it even worth it for me to continue praying? Is it even worth it for me to continue interceding? Is it even worth it for me to continue believing and hoping? And I'm here to tell you, yes, it is, church. Realize that just because you have not seen the yes doesn't mean that God has not given it. 
Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean God hasn't already worked it out. But we continue to pray and push back and intercede because we're sometimes fighting against things that are even greater than what we understand. And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit to work on our behalf. Uh, Let me give you a couple of more scriptures here about spiritual warfare, because you must understand that we are fighting a very real enemy. John 10, 10, it puts it like this in the New Living Translation. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Ephesians 6.12, it says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I understand that for some people, This is, again, a very backwards way of thinking. I'm not saying, again, that every single thing that we go through is something that we can just simply blame on the devil or that the devil is behind every single thing that happens in our world. But here's what I do believe and understand, that the enemy we fight is very real. And sometimes there are atrocities and tragedies that happen in our world that we can take a look at. And we know that they are not the device or not the invention of the human mind, but that they are influenced by dark powers and forces. But church, I hope that you understand that this is not me telling you this to make you afraid or me telling you this to make you hesitant or to give you a scapegoat to blame those things on that you should be working on yourself. Hello. But this is what I am saying, that there is an overarching principle that must guide even our talk on spiritual warfare. And it's this. The enemy can roam, but only Jesus can reign. (laughs) The enemy can roam, but only Jesus can reign. The enemy will stir up things. The enemy will attempt things. But how many of you believe that the enemy is already defeated? As one famous pastor has said, God is exalted the devil is defeated and we have the victory. Regardless of what you believe on spiritual warfare and its depth and its extent, I believe it's extremely real. I believe it's all around us in ways that might even surprise us. But here's what I also believe. I believe at the same time that we serve a king who is above all kings, who has conquered all dark powers, all forces, and and the enemy might be roaming around as if as if he is the ruler. But how many of you know that greater is he that's on the inside of you than he that is in the world? The enemy can roam, but only Jesus is on the throne. Only Jesus can reign. Only Jesus has the victory. Only Jesus has conquered in the end. And so this is what we believe and confess. Yes, sometimes there are spiritual forces that are holding us down. And it was the case for this woman in Luke chapter 13. She was doubled down by an evil spirit. But how many of you know Jesus is more powerful. Jesus reigns. Type that in the comments if you believe it. Jesus reigns. It's very interesting because it goes on and Jesus says this, the text says this in verse 12, when Jesus saw her, (laughs) he called her over and said, dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Or as I mentioned earlier, woman, thou art loose. This is important phrasing because It is not just simply saying that the woman was seeking out Jesus and found him. There there are times in scripture and in the gospels when people seek out Jesus. The woman who was bleeding sought out Jesus. Jairus sought out Jesus to heal his daughter. 
The centurion sought out Jesus because he had a sick servant. Uh, numerous people have sought out Jesus to do great miracles and mighty wonders and acts. But sometimes, and, and I think you know this church, sometimes we're not checking for God. Sometimes we're so down low that we can't even see God. Sometimes we're so stuck in the season that we're in or the cycle that we're in that we feel so stationary that we can't even find out where God is. Is that you? Are you in that place? Have you ever been in that place where you've been looking around trying to find out where is Jesus? Where is God moving? The number one question I get asked as a pastor is, how can I hear God? Because I feel like I used to be able to hear God and God is silent. I feel like God used to speak to me and now I can't hear anything that's being said. I can't perceive what God is doing. I can't perceive the power of the spirit and the presence of the spirit. I can't comprehend it. So sometimes we are stuck in two things, in two problems. Number one, we're in a cycle of stuck. And then number two, we can't see Jesus in our cycle of stuck. Have you ever been there? You've been sitting back trying to say, where are you, God? I can't see you. My infirmity or my struggle or my situation has me bent down so low that I can't even look for you. But I love the fact that the text says that even when the woman couldn't see Jesus, Jesus saw her. I'm here to remind you, church, when you can't see Jesus, Jesus can still see you. Jesus can still notice you. Jesus is still aware of where you are. Jesus is still paying attention to what is going on in your life. Jesus is not held back or bound or blocked by what the enemy would try to put up. Jesus does not look at, as other people do, the fact that you are down so low and look over you and dismiss you and push you off to the side. But Jesus sees you. You see, I love the fact that we serve a God who is called in Genesis 16 by Hagar, Elroy, or the God who sees. See, we serve a God who can see us. We serve a God who sees even the people whom society has pushed out. We serve a God who sees even the people who are marginalized or even the people who are downcast or downtrodden or poor or who aren't very impressive or who do not have the titles or the privilege or the power. God still sees you, church. And I'm here to remind you that even when you can't see God, God can still see you. Jesus sees the woman. Here's what I love about this. And I could go on about this for days. Jesus is preaching in the synagogue, doing a spiritual holy thing, doing a thing that would have been seen as extremely important. But Jesus was not too busy doing things for God to be able to see a woman who was in need. Church, this is convicting for me too, but I want to ask you a question. Are you too busy doing things for God or being spiritual that you cannot see people who are hurting right around you? Are you too busy spiritualizing everything and spiritualizing what happens around you to the point to where you cannot see that your neighbor or your brother or your sister or your family member is hurting? Church, may it not be said of us that we were so consumed with doing God's work that we missed the opportunity to show God's love. And here I love that Jesus is able to see the person who is most in need of his power and his presence. Jesus is able to put eyes upon her. Jesus is able to say, woman, you're loosed. Woman, you're set free. And even when it seems like Jesus doesn't see, Jesus can still see 
us. And he's never too busy to attend to us. I think someone just needs to sit in that, that God sees you. I think someone came here today to watch on a live stream on a Sunday just to simply hear this reality. God sees you. God has not forgotten about you. God values you. God communicates love and grace and peace to you. And God sees that you are bound in this moment and stuck in this cycle, but you will not stay stuck forever. I want you to lift up your hands. I feel led right now to encourage someone who has had their head down so low, spiritually, metaphorically, that you can't seem to lift it up and you don't know if God is listening and you don't know if God values the very thing that you're going through. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus sees you today. God, would you show your people that you see them? Would you give them signs and wonders? Would you drop hints? Would you communicate through prophetic words? Would you use your spirit to encourage them right now so that they feel your presence? Show them, God, that you see them. Show them that you are Elroy, the God who sees. Jesus sees you. The end of this passage is so interesting that while everybody was very excited that this woman had been healed from her infirmity, not not the religious leaders. They were not as excited as the people around her. It says here, the leader in charge of the synagogue, verse 14, was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on these days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. (laughs) But the Lord replied, you hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? You know, the first thing that I find so interesting out of this particular section of verses is that for some of us, the issue is not that we are stuck ourselves, but some of us think someone else deserves to stay stuck. (laughs) You know, sometimes it is not that we are stuck, but we need to reform and transform our ideas of what it means for even the people who we don't seem and deem to be worthy to get out of their stuck place. Okay, that's another sermon for another day. But here's the real thing that I find so interesting is that in this passage, in this thought, Jesus refers to this woman whose name we do not know as a daughter of Abraham. Jesus refers to her by her power, Jesus refers to her in a way that most people would not have, maybe even her friends or her family members or those around her, or even the religious leaders and the Pharisees would not have seen her as Jesus reminds her and them of her inheritance. And so in other words, even in her bent down state, in her bad situation, in her rough circumstance, catch this, her infirmity did not change her inheritance. Jesus calls her a daughter of Abraham because he wants to remind her that you are entitled to all of the inheritance, all of the good gifts, all of the love, all of the joy, the peace, all of the protection, all of the things that God had promised to Abraham, not because of your might, not because of your works, not because of your abilities, not because of what you can do for God, but simply because of who you are. Church, I'm here to remind you, do you know who you are? Do you know how powerful you are? Not because of you, but because of the Jesus on the inside of you. Do you know your spiritual heritage? Do you know that you are a son or a daughter of Abraham? 
Do you know you're part of the family of God? We're siblings. And as siblings of God, we are entitled to all of the promises of God. This is what I love about it. Romans 8, 17, it says this. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Yes, it also says this. Catch this. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Understand that when you're in a moment of suffering, you might not be doing something wrong. You might be doing something right. Understand that you might not be in a bad place or a bad position. You might be exactly where you need to be, but you are just inheriting something different. But you're still an heir. You're still a joint heir with Christ Jesus. I love how Paul puts it in Galatians 3. He says, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Church, I want you to remember in seasons where you are stuck, in cycles where it seems like nothing is going your way, when it seems as though you can't get out and you can't crawl or claw your way out of the situation you are stuck in, that you are in quicksand and you keep slipping down and going down and you're striving to get out, but you cannot. I want you to remind yourself that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are blessed and highly favored. God has smiled upon you. You are the friend of the beloved. God loves you. God cares for you. God sees you. I want you to remind yourself who you are. Wake up every morning and write it down. Wake up every morning and confess it in the mirror. Say it over yourself that I know who I am. It may not look like it in my situation. It may not look like it in my circumstance, but I know who I am and I know whose I am. And if I know who I am and whose I am, then no matter what I'm going through right now, it does not define me. Church, your stuck season or your stuck cycle does not define you. And someone needs to hear that because you've been crying so much that you think in your deep down, in your gut, that this is who you are now. I guess this is who I am. I guess this is all I'm good for. I guess this is all I will be. I guess I'm just going to be stuck forever. The devil is a liar. We rebuke the ideas that you are supposed to put yourself down and lower yourself and feel as though you aren't worth anything. Church, you are royalty. You have the power of God on the inside of you. God smiles when God sees you. God smiles when God looks down upon you. Jesus is pleased with you. Continue. Do not look down upon yourself, but look up to the reality of who you are in Christ. And those of us who are in seasons of stuck, in cycles of stuck, need that more than ever to know who we are. Daughter of Abraham, son of Abraham, child of the most high God. You are blessed. You are important. And while your situation, your infirmity may have you bent down, your infirmity does not invalidate your inheritance. It's all true, church. It's still true. Nothing has changed, just your situation. And your situation is always changing. But there's one thing that has not, your identity. You are the beloved in Christ. We are the beloved in Christ. And even when we're bent down, God calls us by who we truly are. God in heaven, I pray that you would move upon your people right now. Lift up your hands, church. If you believe in your heart or have believed in your heart that you are not the beloved of God, I want you to say it out loud. Say, I am beloved by God. 
I'm a child of the King. Everything that Jesus promised, it is for me. Say it is for me. Somebody needs to say it. Say it is for me. I may not see the manifestation of it right now, but it is for me. It may not look like it in my season, but it is for me. I want you to confess it with your mouth. Every single thing that God has desired for me to have, I will have it in the right time. God, I pray that you would work on our hearts while we wait, while we're in seasons of stuck, while it seems as though we can't get out, while we're stuck in the same position, bent down and bowed over and doubled down, just like the woman in Luke chapter 13. May we be reminded that you have called us children of Abraham. We are not stuck, but God, you have truly called us to remember who we are. I pray for those who cannot right now believe that they are the children of Abraham. Believe that they are blessed and highly favored, who it seems like even it's nails on the chalkboard for them. God, I pray that you would give them in this week reassurance and grace and power to believe who they truly are has never changed just because their situation has. I thank you, God. I praise you for how you're going to bring people out. The testimonies of getting out of this season of stuck and this cycle of stuck are going to be so incredible. God, I'm excited for how you are going to make it happen. But God, I pray that in the meantime, we remember who we are and whose we are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, remember who you are. You might be in a cycle of stuck, but that does not define you. That is not your identity. You are the beloved of God. I love you, church. We'll see you next week. Well, church, I hope that that word and worship blessed you. I hope it challenged you. I hope the seeds of the gospel were sown deep in the soil of your soul so that you can bear much fruit. We don't just believe in making decisions. We truly believe in making transformation and discipleship. So if you made a decision for Christ today, I hope and desire that you would reach out to us, that you would type home in the comment section of Facebook or YouTube. We genuinely want to reach out and talk to you and encourage you and walk with you on this spiritual journey. And when it comes to salvation, I just want to make this clear that it is just a prayer away. That the Bible says that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. And salvation is the most important decision you can make, the decision to follow after Jesus. It's not just a momentary statement. It is a lifelong commitment. It is a heart transformation. And so if that's you and you desire a heart transformation, it is as simple as lifting up your hands and saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've gone against your way. God, I desire to follow after you for all of my days. I desire to lift up Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I know that Jesus will change my life forever. It's as simple as that. You don't have to use my words. There's no power in my words. The power is in the confession and in the belief. And if you prayed that prayer, again, type home in the comments. We would absolutely love to talk with you and walk with you along this next stage of your spiritual journey. Thank you again for tuning in. If you did not have the chance to give, 
I want you to click the app uh, link or the giving link up in the description or in the pinned comment, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube. That'll take you directly to places where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift if you want to sow into the kingdom. There's no compulsion. We're not trying to scheme to get money out of you. That's not our desire at all, at all. We just believe in giving and in generosity because it reflects the heart of the kingdom of God and also so that ministry can be done, true ministry can be done as well. Well, church, I hope to see you next week here at the NDCC Online Worship Experience. Same time, same place, we are going to be here and I know that God is going to meet you. I pray that God stays with you, that it's not just here on a Sunday morning, but I pray that God stays with you throughout the week. I speak blessings upon you, the power and the peace of God upon you as you go into real life now. Go and apply and do what God has taught you today. Well, this is Pastor Tyler and on behalf of our entire team. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Be blessed.